Luke chapter 5. The title of this morning's message is Prayer. Ask, Seek, Knock. And I chose that title because this is something that perhaps you will remember, you know, in your time of prayer. And just in thinking about prayer itself, is that is to ask, to seek, and knock. And what we'll learn this morning is ask uh, as we as we ask the Lord, as we seek, as we knock, it's to be done in a continuous fashion. Uh, it's not something that we do on occasion, but something that is to be done, started, and then never stop to ask and to seek and to knock. And so let's begin by reading in Luke chapter 11 and verse 5. Where it says, and he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within. Do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up. And give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Father, last week we learned the pattern of prayer, which should be acknowledged in the midst of our prayer knowing who we pray to, how we ought to approach you, and the things we ought to ask for. I ask this morning as that study in many ways continues this morning, that you would give us understanding of how it is that we ought to come to you with boldness, with confidence, and with persistence. That is what you require of us. That's what you desire that we possess in our prayers, our approach. So help help us to apply these things into our lives, our trust in you, that we may express this in our prayers as well. So help us, Lord, this morning to understand these things and to apply them. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, yeah, last week we learned about the pattern of prayer. Uh, Jesus had taught his disciples uh, these things to consider in the midst of prayer, the components of prayer. And these are important components of prayer to acknowledge when we are thinking in the middle of our prayers that they may not be rote, that they may not be ritualistic, that they may not be religious in manner. We need to think about who we're praying to. We need to think about what we are praying for. 
Again, these aren't words just to recite. But this should rather serve as a template to pray by. To consider in the midst of our prayer to acknowledge who God is and what we seek. We acknowledge his holiness. We desire that his kingdom come. We look for his provision. We seek his forgiveness as we forgive others. We trust in his power to enable us to turn away from evil. And when we pray, we are desiring that God's will be done, not ours. In the end, as Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane exemplified this by saying, but not my will be done, but yours be done. So it must be our prayer as well. In the end, that his will be done and not ours. Why? Because we trust in him. We know that he is good and he gives good gifts. In fact, all good gifts come from him. Matthew 6.10 says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, as it has been willed in heaven, so we desire that it be done here on earth. And this leads us into Jesus continuing his teaching to his disciples on how to pray in these verses. Two elements that we're going to begin with this morning that are essential to our prayers for them to possess is number one is boldness. And number two is persistence, boldness and persistence. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, it says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We ought to come to the throne of grace knowing that we have access to the Holy of Holies, to the very presence of the Father. And so we ought to, as it says in Hebrews 4.16, to come with great confidence, with perfect confidence that we are indeed meeting with the creator of the universe, the Father. Truly something remarkable, something beyond our comprehension, and yet this is the access that we have to the Father. Ephesians 6.18 says, Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And then there's 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, which says, pray without ceasing. What does that mean? Because oftentimes we think of prayers as being these formal times that we set aside, whether it be corporate or as individuals, to pray and to seek the Lord. But as we should learn in our relationship with the Lord, that it isn't just those moments. But it's every moment of every day that we're acknowledging his presence and relying upon him. How we approach God is important. We ought to approach him with reverence. I think sometimes, especially in today's culture, what happens is we become so familiar with God, at least seemingly outwardly, that we do not approach him reverently. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 28 and 29, it says, Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. 
for our God is a consuming fire. When was the last time that you had had reverence and awe in your time of prayer? That you were so overwhelmed by the fact that it is God whose presence you are in and praying and petitioning and interceding on behalf of others to him that you were just in awe of him. You didn't have any words to speak. You were overwhelmed perhaps even with emotion considering the fact that he, the creator of the universe, is inclining his, his ear to you. Who is man that you are mindful of him? Why is it that you would even consider me? With sincerity of heart, being just overwhelmed by his love, his grace, his mercy, his patience. Oftentimes we are like a spoiled child coming to him. Demanding from him. Irreverently. This is why as we go into this section, it's important to know the first section that Jesus was teaching his disciples on, on how to pray. Acknowledging that we're praying to our Father who is in heaven. And then the next line is, hallowed be thy name. Your name is above all names. Your name is preeminent. There is no one like you, God. You are sacred. If we understood who we are praying to, with reverence should come boldness. knowing that we have access to him. That he desires to hear from us. That it actually pleases him to have communion with us. We would be bolder and we would be more persistent in our asking. John 4.10 says, Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. That woman at the well, Jesus was patient with her, revealing to her who he was. And in that moment, He told her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. There would have been greater boldness in her. There would have been just this confidence that is unshakable. Be bold and persistent in your prayers. Listen, to be bold, and we we do have to differentiate uh, between being bold and being confident. Uh, We're going to just... uh, cover this uh, with a little bit more detail and that is to be bold is is to be willing to take risks to take courage and to be a bit presumptuous to be bold you know when you come to the lord you come with with a, a an expectant heart it takes you coming to the lord and being vulnerable I'm going to take a risk. I, I don't 
I'm just going to lay out my heart before you. What I'm going to ask of you, God, is beyond me. You're being presumptuous. This is a good presumptuous, by the way. (laughs) Boldness is the failure to observe limits. Think about that. It's the courage to do something that is not normally done. Therefore, for us, in earthly terms, in, in a human, with a human perspective, it's taking a risk. To take a risk is to expose oneself to the possibility of something unpleasant or unwelcome. You're exposing yourself to that. And the story we have here is a typical one in which you would tell a friend because as far as what was described to us in this passage and what Jesus was teaching his disciples and the story that he was using to illustrate that they ought to be bold and persistent in their prayer is one that we would probably dare a friend to go do. (laughs) I dare you to go knock on Joe's door now at midnight and ask him for three loaves of bread because you have a visitor that came to your house unexpectedly and you have nothing to give him to eat. Oh, I'm not going. You go. I'm not going to. The reason why is because in that day, the culture was that one house was one room. It could be a larger home, but it was still one room. And it was sectioned off. So the area in which the people would sleep was one section. And oftentimes there would be cattle, goats, and sheep that were in a lower section of the same house. It's just the way it was. And so when the family went to bed, the family went to bed. They were all tucked in. And if one were to get up, it would disturb everyone. Imagine that. I think back on times with my family, and I remember in particular my dad's family, to where I remember one house um, where it, would, it was just one room. It was one room off to the side, and oh, actually two rooms. So one room off to the side, that was the bedroom. And then the other room was the, the living room, dining room, and kitchen all together. And everyone would sleep in the bedroom and in the living room, and that was it. So truly, if someone were to get up to go to the restroom, which was an outhouse in the back down the hill, um, everyone would know. This is the illustration that Jesus is giving to his disciples. I want you to pray like this. This is what I desire for you to do. Be bold. He was teaching them to have this kind of boldness. He's teaching us to have this kind of boldness as well. This this approach to praying to petitioning God, to asking God, to seek God, to knock, and persistently do it. It's 
Sometimes we draw back, we fall short because we make our own excuses up as to why we wouldn't ask, why we wouldn't seek, why we wouldn't knock. And he's saying, do it. Just do it. Be bold. Be willing to take risks. To have courage. To be a bit presumptuous toward the Lord. Humbly. Fail to observe any preconceived limits with God. And have the courage to ask for God to do the impossible. When's the last time you asked him to do the impossible? Not for selfish reasons. But according to his will. In other words, according to his word. You have to know his word in order to pray according to his word. When was the last time you asked him to do something? That was according to his word, but, you know, as far as your strength and your power, your influence is concerned, it's impossible. Listen, remember, God parted the Red Sea, provided manna from heaven and water from a rock, brought the walls of Jericho down, healed the multitudes and resurrected the dead. He spoke the world into existence. Jeremiah thirty two twenty seven says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? I love that. I think of that often, of the Lord speaking that to me in the moment. Is anything too hard for me? No, Lord, nothing is too hard for you. Therefore, I will come to you with boldness. I will come to you with great confidence, knowing that you can do all things. Nothing is too small. Nothing is too big. In all circumstances, acknowledge him, petition him, ask him to help you in your time of need. Yesterday I was praying. I was praying because, speaking of nothing is too small, nothing is insignificant to the Lord. So I was running, uh, well, I was attempting to uh, run um, a line from the attic down a wall into an outlet. Uh, it was an empty outlet, but uh, I'm running some, some cable. And what I had to do, though, because there is um, uh, there's one fire break in between, you have to go through that, right? Insulation that you have to go through. And um, what I did was I had to run a... Uh, a cable drill. Is that what they're called? Cable drills? Yeah. It's long and you have to drive it through. So number one, you have to find the, the little hole that's already there because there was already a telephone line that went through there. And I was praying. I was seeking the Lord. Like, Lord, help me to do this without making a hole in the wall and then having to call Modesto to come and repair the wall. <laughs> I, want, I want to get it through all the way. And so I, w- I was praying, oh, Lord, please. And it took me a while. I mean, I had been running it through the attic and from the other side of the house. And so not only did I have to do that, but then I'd have to put in the, the flexible fishing ca- uh, rod that goes all the way down into it. So I ended up, like, breaking through the, the fire break. And I thought, yes. And I checked both sides of the wall. I was good. No holes. I was good. And then I had to really work that hole good because there's another cable that needs to go through there. And 
as I put the fishing rod through, um, I kept hitting that fire break. And I, I couldn't find the hole. Finally, it went through, and, and it should have been all the way to the outlet. And I just, I couldn't see it. And I kept praying. I kept asking the Lord, please help me here. As I was cutting the top of the, the box that's in there, the, the outlet, I was cutting. And then I, and then I put a, a little scraper through, and I felt the rod. And I thought, I actually made it. I actually made it. It's, it's right there. I'm like, that is awesome. I think it is. Now, I don't know if it, I'm, I'm hoping it was. And so I was cutting the top, and then, you know what dropped in? It just dropped right in. The fishing rod, it, it, went, it went right through it. And I was like, my wife would have not understood. I felt so joyful. I was full of, <laughs> so thankful. And at that moment, I was thanking the Lord. I was like, oh, man, I actually did this without ripping the wall apart. Now it's just getting the cable through that and down to it, but... I tell you that because sometimes we think, ah, this is too small. Listen, if you get into the habit of not asking God for the small things, you won't ask him for the big things either. Not until you're halfway through. And you've tried to do it in your own strength. It's not until you're in trouble and you've made a mess of your marriage. You've made a mess of friendships. You've made a mess of your job. You've made a mess of something. And then you say, oh, by the way. That's right. Man, I should have asked God from the very beginning. Get into the habit of having an ongoing conversation with the Lord. And trusting in him and having faith in him. Especially for the little things. Because if you're not in practice for the little things, you will not ask them from the very beginning of the big things. You won't do it. A.W. Tozer said this. Well, actually, Matthew 6.33. We'll, we'll go there first. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. A.W. Tozer said, quote, The most critical need of the church at this moment is men, bold men, free men. The church must seek in prayer and much humility the coming again of men made of the stuff of which prophets and martyrs martyrs are made. Close quote. Listen, these men that he was referring to began with the small things. Trusting the Lord in the small things, their faith grew. They saw how God was trustworthy and how he is Oh, he is uh, concerned about and desires to hear from us in those times so that when there are the big things, oh, Lord, we have no food and this orphanage needs food, that there would be a bread truck that arrives at your doorstep and gives you a, a, a full meal and then some. Oh, there's many... Answer is to prayer, but we must first acknowledge the Lord in the little things in order for us to acknowledge him in the bigger things. You see, bold men who seek God in prayer and stand in the gap, praying that God would move in the hearts of his people and draw the lost to himself, those are the type of men that we need in our homes, in our marriages, 
in our churches. With boldness, there's also persistence. In verse 8, Jesus says, I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. Persistence. That is what impudence means. God sees persistence in prayer as an expression of our faith. In Luke chapter 18, the second portion of verse 8, it says, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? It's a question. Will he find faith on earth? This type of faith. You can say, I know you can. I know that what I'm asking for is according to your word. Therefore, I will ask. Because it's according to your word, I will keep asking. And keep asking. And keep asking. I will never tire of asking. The question that is normal to ask is, is it our persistent petition of God that changes his mind? Is he a God who changes his mind? That's a good way of asking that. No. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's no change in him. So then why the persistence in our asking and our seeking and our knocking? Because it's through that that our hearts change. It's our hearts and our minds that need to change to align with the Lord. First of all, our constant praying and our response to any delays reveals our own hearts. Have you ever prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed? It just seems like either God's not listening or... He's just saying no. But I want. This is what I want. And, and I think it's good. So I, I, why aren't you giving it to me? What does that reveal in your own heart? It's your brat. That's what it reveals. It reveals that you're a brat. That's what it reveals. It reveals our hearts, doesn't it? Secondly, to persist in prayers develops our dependence and trust in our Lord. That only God can do the very thing that we are asking him to do. We're dependent upon him. We're trusting in him. Only you can do this, Lord. So I'm going to entrust that to you. Thirdly, it aligns our heart and desires to his. John 15, 16 says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask in the Father in my name, he may give it to you. But notice one thing. So whatever you ask the Father in my name. In other words, if you're asking him in his name, then it's according to the truth of God's word and it's alignment with his, his will. So you're asking rightly. This he desires to give to you. When we say in Jesus' name, it's not something to be done flippantly. Not something to take lightly. In fact, we should... We should know that he is the reason why we have access to the Father. We pray to the Father, as I stated last week. But we have access to the Father because of the Son. 
In Jesus' name means that we are asking according to his word, his will, his desire. So if you know that what you are asking for is in alignment with his will, then what Jesus is telling us here is keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Shamelessly ask, and then ask again, and then ask again, and then ask again. Keep asking. But also be confident in God when praying. So I told you we were going to give you the the difference um, between boldness and confidence. And verses 9 through 13, as we continue, uh, is is what we're looking at here is for us to be confident in, in God when praying. So verse 9, as we read here, And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? and Or if he asks for an egg, will... Give him a scorpion. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The difference between bold and confident is that boldness is a person's willingness to take risks, to be courageous, and to be presumptuous. Confidence is to rely on someone. It is to be certain that a person will be true. true whatever god gives you it will be according to what is his good and perfect will it is true it is upright it is righteous it is good for me Romans 12, 2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Paul learned to be content with whatever the Lord gave him. Philippians 4, 11 says, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. And in Proverbs chapter 30, verses 7 through 9, it says, Two things I ask of you, deny them not to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. I remember years ago, this homeless man by the name of Sergio, that when we first moved into this location, those are the verses that we would always talk about, that he would refer to. It's interesting. He was a man who had nothing and yet had everything. And I remember taking him to work with me when I, was, I would go out pressure washing at night. And he was such a joyful man. Very knowledgeable, knowledgeable of the word. And we could talk about the word all night. And that's what we would often do. But he would quote this. Proverbs chapter 30 verses 7 through 9. Often. Jesus told them as he is telling us today. Ask and keep asking. Seek and keep seeking. Knock and keep knocking. Each one of these, it's a verb. 
It's an action. And, and, and the tense is, is one to where it's continuous. As I said earlier, it's continuous. Prayer is to be engaged in in a continuous manner. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. Pray without ceasing. This is not figuratively speaking. This is literal. I, I've often told people that are studying and preparing to deliver a message, a devotion, um, that in the midst of their preparation, it's not we do everything we can and, and then trust in God. No, no, no. We're trusting in God the whole way through. Preparation and delivery. In the moment of delivery, that you are trusting the Lord and praying. You're seeking the Lord. You're multitasking in the moment. As Christians, we need to learn how to multitask. Prayer is not a separate thing. It is a, an ongoing thing in each moment of every single day of trusting in the Lord and relying upon him and asking him and seeking and knocking. It's being in tune with the Holy Spirit and being led by the Spirit in the moment, in every moment of every day of your life. It's something continuous. It's not, this is not figurative. It is literal. Pray without ceasing. If you as a father know how to give good gifts, is what Jesus was telling his disciples. If you uh, as a father know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does the father know how to give good gifts? Think about this. I love giving, giving my kids and now grandchildren good gifts. Man, I want to give them good gifts. I want to spoil in that way. But how much more should we acknowledge and know that our Father gives better gifts? James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. What he is saying in this also is that God won't deceive you. He won't give you something that is bad in the place of something that is good. Just as an earthly father wouldn't do that, even more so, our father will not do that. Sometimes, think about this, we think that what we're asking for is really the good thing. When in fact it would be the very thing that takes us away from him. For example, I'm praying a job would, that I'm, I'm looking for, that, that job that I'm desiring, a position, that promotion would be given to me. Lord, please give it to me. Will it bring you closer or drive you away from him? Which one is it? I, I know... We have to provide for our families. I know that. But maybe what you think is good is really not good. What you think is better is actually worse. Where you want to move to, the things you want to possess. But, it, you know, it's good. It'll be more money. You know that that's not always the answer? Remember the love of money, the love of money, not money. The love of money 
is the root of all kinds of evil. The love of money. What happens is oftentimes when we get more, we want more. Oh, if I got this, then certainly I can get this. And I can get that. And that becomes your preoccupation. You want all the toys and possessions and vacations and you name it. Just fill in the blank. Be careful what you insist on because those things may not be the best for you. We need to trust the Lord to give us those things which are truly good. Be it whatever it is that he gives to us. But to the one who can be trusted with these things, be generous. And I do want to bring this up because I do not want to uh, imply that being rich and having much is evil. Remember I said the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Okay? It's not being rich. Because it says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. So, hey, listen, which most of us, we can say in terms of considering as as far as the world is concerned, we are rich, we have much. Most of us in this room have no want. So be generous. Heap up treasure in heaven. One thing that we ought to ask, though, above it all. Well, Matthew 6, 33, which says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Meaning that God will give us everything. He knows. He knows what you need. Seek first his righteousness Glorify him. The kingdom of God. That you would be used within the body of Christ to further the kingdom, that is to further the gospel. That more people would be saved and be discipled and mature in the Lord. And with that, there's there's one thing that we need to do that. With great effectiveness. It's not in our our own strength. We have to trust in and rely on the Holy Spirit. So we should especially ask the Lord. Oh fill us with your Holy Spirit afresh. Keep pouring out your Holy Spirit upon us. Fill us to overflowing. We want to be empowered by your Spirit. We want to walk in the Spirit that we would not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We want to walk in the Spirit because we know that he leads us into all truth. He teaches us all things that have to do with Jesus. He gives us insight. He helps us with discernment, with godly wisdom. We are to be fully dependent on the Holy Spirit. For we do... Nothing from might or our own power, but by the Holy Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And so God especially wants to give us his Holy Spirit. Do you desire the Holy Spirit to overflow in your life? 
Do you desire to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to live a consecrated life for God? Then ask. And then keep asking. Seek and keep seeking. Knock and keep knocking. Ask. And ask again. So as we consider what Jesus was teaching his disciples, number one, be bold and persistent in your prayers. Be willing to take risks, to have courage, and to be a bit presumptuous. Fail to observe any preconceived limits with God. Have the courage to ask for God to do the impossible. Nothing is too small and nothing is too big for God. In all circumstances, acknowledge him, petition him, ask him to help you in your time of need, which should be every single moment of every single day. Pray without ceasing. Secondly, be confident in God when praying. Be confident in God to give you what is good. Be certain that he will be true to you. And whatever he gives is best for you. Again, when you ask, keep asking. When you seek, and I, I want to drive this home. <laughs> when you seek, keep seeking. When you knock, keep knocking. Do not stop. Keep going. Learn how to pray. Always, without ceasing. Don't ever give up on asking God for something you know is according to his will. Just be aware. Be conscious of your own heart and how you are responding to him in your persistence. C.H. Burgeon said this, quote, prayer is an art which only the spirit can teach us. He is the giver of all prayer. Romans 8, 26 says, likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. That's why it's critical that we, that we ask for the spirit for him to be active in our lives, for God to fill us with this spirit, that even when we don't know what to pray for, that he intercedes on our behalf and speaks on our behalf to the Lord. And so ask for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that you may walk in the spirit and live with contentment in Christ. Because as, as it says in 1 Timothy 6.6, 6, but godliness with contentment is great gain. As we conclude, if, if there is anyone here who does not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, then you don't know this relationship that was just we just went over. You know this this asking, this seeking, this knocking, uh, this ongoing prayer, going back and forth, and seeking His will above yours, because you don't have an eternal relationship with Him. Because you haven't surrendered your life to him. But. Jesus said I am the way and the truth and life. No one comes to the father except through me. If we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord. And believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead. The Bible says we shall be saved. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. It's not. It's not this little prayer that you pray and then that assures you of heaven. That's, that's not what it is. Salvation, you see, is a surrendered heart, a surrendered life. 
a, a repentance of your sin, that is, a, that is a turning away from your sin, and believing in Jesus Christ for your salvation. If you've never done that, if there's no evidence of that in your life, and you may be sitting here and you, you think, well, I want to be a good person. Well, you can't be a good person outside of Christ anyway, because there's nothing good in, in, in any of us. The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. And that includes you. And that includes me. And that includes the person sitting to your right and the person sitting to your left. None is righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That means everyone has missed the mark. We are all guilty of sin. And if we're guilty of sin, then the penalty of that is death. But thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift in that the Father sent the Son to die for you in your place to pay for your sins on the cross. He shed his blood for, as Jake said, in preparation for communion for the remission, for the forgiveness of our sins. So have you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? And I pray that this morning would be the day of salvation for you. That in your, in your seat, just as I was talking about Bianca did, and, and she surrendered her life to Jesus Christ, just as Georgie did a, a year and a half ago, and today he is in the presence of the Lord, you too can be assured of eternity and the glory of God if you simply surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. And I pray today would be that day. For tomorrow is not promised to anyone. Not one person. Don't put off to tomorrow what you know the Lord desires for you to do right now. And I tell you that this moment you will look back upon and thank the Lord that you surrender your life to Jesus Christ and are walking with him. I pray that would be you. You can do that in the privacy of your, of your chair, but in so doing, I would ask that if you do, that you let someone know and you tell whoever it is that you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, that they may, be, they may come alongside you and encourage you in your walk with the Lord, that they would answer any questions that you have, and at some point, just make a public declaration by baptism or just in simply confessing that to others that you have surrendered your life to Jesus Christ completely. So I pray today would be the day of salvation. For the church, be in prayer. Don't stop praying. Trust in the Lord. Be bold, be persistent, and have confidence in him. Amen. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your trustworthiness. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you, Lord, that you love us and that you will never leave us, never forsake us. You're with us, Lord. Let us acknowledge your presence, your desire to hear from us. And, Lord, that we would align our wills with yours, that whatever it is that you give us, so be it, Father. We pray that we would honor you by being good stewards of whatever you entrust to us. Lord, whatever you keep from us, Lord, praise God, for perhaps uh, you know that whatever it is that we're asking for, although we think it is good, it may be for our good that it is withheld. 
that it is not given to us, at least in the moment. And so, Lord, whatever it is, as your word tells us, godliness with contentment is great gain. We have brought nothing into the world, and so it is that we are going to leave with nothing as well. And so whatever is that we have, Lord, has been given to us, and let us be content with that. And so, Father, let's glorify yourself. I pray for salvation for anyone who does not know salvation this morning, that it would be a day of repentance, Lord, and belief in Jesus Christ as Lord and as Savior. So, Father, we commit the rest of the day into your hands, Lord. We ask your blessing and pray this in Jesus' name.